0: Today's episode of About Them Cowboys is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks at any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as a dollar. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing or ready to learn, like me, No idea what I'm doing, so Robinhood has been a great help. Or you're just looking for a better experience in your trading, stop waiting, and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Right now, our listeners can get started with a free stock by going to cowboys.robinhood.com. That's cowboys.robinhood.com. So head over there now, download the Robinhood app, get your free stock over at cowboys.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or solicitation of any security. Visit rbnhd.co slash The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield or uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank.
1: I mean, I told Jerry I watched every play of the 2019 season, but I wanted a job. <laughs> So, uh, uh, I, 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 have, I, I haven't watched every play of the season, but it, it was just, uh, I mean, you do what you got to do, right? to say is how about them Cowboys? Yeah! How about them Cowboys, Indeed.
0: The Dallas Cowboys offseason is officially underway as the Cowboys scouting department and executives have made their way down to Mobile, Alabama and Lab People Stadium to continue their scouting of these players for the 2020 draft class, as we prep for the first draft under new head coach Mike McCarthy. But it wouldn't be the Cowboys if Steven or Jerry weren't chiming in. So welcome back into About Them Cowboys. This is Kent Garrison, the... Head Mallard to the podcast as I lead you and our Cowboys experts to the land of incredible coverage here at The Athletic. We've got a ton to talk about here in the nest today, but yes, we will be joined by Brian Broaddus again in the future, as well as another recently retired radio legend. But in the meantime, you can check out Brian, Dane Brugler, and Chris Burke covering this draft and Senior Bowl exclusively over on our Prospects to Pros podcast here at The Athletic. So be sure and subscribe to that podcast for all the draft coverage you'll need as we head towards April. But for now, it's time to welcome in the current flock of Cowboys experts. First, he's down in Mobile scavenging for stories. I would say he's probably the vulture of the podcast. It's Father John Mishota. John, are you getting a hearty meal
2: down there or more like scraps at this point? It's more scraps. You know, my main goal of going down here was... That I thought it'd be the first time we get to talk to the assistant coaches. Well, we found out last Thursday in a in a meeting with Mike McCarthy that the coaches wouldn't be coming. So then I get here and I'm thinking, well, I'll get Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones at, at the very least. Well, it doesn't look like Jerry's going to be here either. He was down in Houston uh, mm. presenting a, an award, uh, a lifetime achievement award to the family of the late Bob McNair. So mm. uh, just Stephen so far, but uh, I'll be back out of practices today and tomorrow, and uh, hopefully to gather some more stuff.
0: Yeah just keep an eye out and scan the stands and jerry might be there with his hat on and sunglasses and watching these players and welcoming back to the hosting chair he's the majestic powerful endangered species in his own right i would say he's the eagle of this podcast interesting it's kevin kt turner what's up KT?
3: man i'm uh i'm happy to be here and Ready to talk a little Cowboys because uh, like this is a fun, like I've kind of dove in and, and been doing some draft work and all that stuff and been thinking about that. But I just think there's a ton of interesting wrinkles to talk about with everything that's happened. And it's kind of, again, I think I might have said this on the last one. So at the risk of being repetitive, it, I feel a little more fresh talking about this team now that McCarthy's here because yeah. you just have a vibe of things are going to be a little bit different no matter how. And I, I, I will say, I've never taken more flack on Twitter than for, I guess, my attitude towards the McCarthy hiring. You know, yeah, I I noticed that, too. And I was going to say, I felt like we were
0: pretty optimistic about Mike McCarthy on the show. <laughs> so I thought I don't, we were fair. Yeah, I thought we were. We told it like it was. But I would say, overall, we're pretty optimistic about the future here more than we were previously. But <laughs> I guess the, the listener didn't see it that way,
3: necessarily. Absolutely. So let's go. Let's start with uh, John here. So out in Mobile, obviously Jerry not there. Jerry's at the Houston Sports Awards dinner, where he's uh he was honoring uh, Bob McNair, the late Bob McNair, and but you uh, you run into Stephen Jones. Now is this just in passing on the field, or is this kind of in a in a different area? Is this the usual uh, run into Stephen Jones situation at the Senior yeah. Bowl?
2: Yeah, we, I mean, we pretty much know where they're going to be sitting at because Steven generally sits with Jerry and then Will McClay and then some of the other scouts. And so uh, um, this time, well, yesterday, Steven was sitting with the same group, but instead of Jerry Jones, he was sitting with his nephew, Shy Shy Anderson Jr., uh, Charlotte, J- Charlotte Jones Anderson's son. Uh, so he made the trip down here. Um, And so Steven said he didn't know if his dad was going to make it down. And I'll be honest, it's pretty cold here. Um, It's not exactly the most enjoyable uh, spot to just be sitting on a metal bleacher uh, for a few hours, but the Jones family always likes to have someone, whether Jerry or Steven be here uh, for nothing less than just to show, Hey, you know, we're being involved in, in this process as well. Um, There is a lot. I mean, there's other head coaches that are here too. I mean, my flight, um, from Dallas here, I mean, uh, it's it's a real small plane that flies from Dallas to Mobile. So, I mean, there it's mostly there were scouts on there, but then there was also uh, Cardinals coach Cliff Kingsbury was on that flight. Mike Tomlin, uh, the Steelers coach, was on that flight. And then uh, I know some friends of mine uh, that were on the later flight out from Dallas to uh, Mobile. Jason Garrett was on that flight. Um, and I guess he said that he was here not really to look at players, but to interview uh, coaches for the New York Giants staff. And so uh, uh, Mark Colombo, obviously, being one of them, the Cowboys offensive line coach. Um, but before we go on, real quick, I just wanted to add something. You know, talking to other writers from the Athletic and just other writers that cover other teams here, it is interesting that you bring up the Mike McCarthy thing because I was trying to gauge people's interest on that too. And it is a collective, like, yeah, it's solid. But, you know, we thought with the Cowboys, it was going to be some like real big over the top thing. And I was just so inquiring, wondering like, okay, so then who would that have been? And the name that most I get is is Urban Meyer. And so, um, I just found that interesting. I don't know if you guys care about that or not, but it was my first time to be around some other people that cover other teams and just hearing uh, their point of view on it. But yeah, there's nobody that's really like blown away uh, with the move, but I think everyone pretty much collectively feels like it'll be at least a, a somewhat of an upgrade uh, from Jason Garrett.
3: Yeah, that's interesting because, I, and this is kind of the message I was trying to convey in our prior podcast. And, and if I did come off uh, very negative about the hire, I, I do kind of apologize, at least halfway apologize, because I, I also talked how I, I said what I felt. But I I, just, I think around the league McCarthy is seen as okay. I don't think people think of McCarthy just because he's won a Super Bowl. I don't think they think of him the way maybe Jerry Jones was talking about him. Um, you know, like I, I don't I don't think around the league he is seen as. Uh, for instance, guys who have been there and done it, uh, uh, Mike Tomlin, obviously Sean Payton, Andy Reid, who's going to a Super Bowl now. You know, he. I just don't think people have him in that conversation. And that goes back to even after he won the Super Bowl. And My, I think real I'm
2: quick, part- KT, I just don't understand, like, who are the names out there, though? I mean, yeah, you're just right. take the Cowboys out of it and just look at the other head coaches that were hired in this cycle. I mean, nobody's wowing you there. So, real quick, because you brought that up, I want to ask you this question. How much different is the fan base if, let's say, this is the first year that John Gruden's getting back into coaching and he takes the Cowboys' job?
3: Uh, I think John Gruden would be a more popular choice among the fan base, but I think the fan base sees Mike McCarthy as a popular choice I, because it's not, neither one of these guys are Jason Garrett, right? I no, I agree. Anyone, and
2: I, I just don't know that. I
3: think anyone I think is John, a popular choice.
2: Sure. But I just think John Gruden would be even more popular because everybody knows sure. who he is and he's in the same boat. You know, he's won a Super Bowl. Obviously he's taken a, a, a lengthy period of time away from the game. But he's a guy that I feel like if you just, you have to remove the Raiders part of it so far since he's returned out of your mind and just think of the hype that was coming with him returning. And I feel like people would be more hyped about that. And I don't know that he's any better of a coach than Mike McCarthy is, is basically what I'm getting at.
3: Yeah, no, I don't know that either. I mean, I'd probably lean towards McCarthy, honestly. Um, but, you know, it's still, still kind of hard to tell. Um I don't know. I I just think it's interesting that other people there in Mobile, though, from other teams and things like that are going, Yeah, cool. You guys got McCarthy. Great. Meanwhile, I'm getting the vibe from the fan bases We got McCarthy. It's on now. Would you give him a chance, dude? Would you stop and give him a chance? You know, (laughs) and I'm like, Guys, yes, obviously he's going to get a chance to coach games. I can't uh, progress time. Uh, you know, what else jumped, we got people off sides and we're about to listen to S- Steven and some of the things that have happened. Uh, but, but one thing that also happened is I sent out a tweet and I swear to God, I'm not playing the game. Hey, guys, check out what I tweeted. But <laughs> when when I saw that Joe Brady got connected to Matt Rule, I got really excited because that was exciting to me because it's different, like real different. And Matt Rule building a program is exciting to me. I understand he hasn't done anything at the pro level. And I understand the Cowboys did not want that. But I think my tweet was, I would rather have Matt Rule and Joe Brady together over Mike McCarthy. I said on this podcast, I would rather have McCarthy over Matt Rule. But would you add the Joe Brady card in there? I was like, you know what? That's what I want. Because that's I, I wanted the young, hot, sexy boy toy. I don't know. That sounds. That's wild. not Kel- That's not Kellen Moore for you. Yeah, you know what it is, and that's what I think we're gonna kind of get into that because once McCarthy said that Kellen's calling the plays, I kind of backed off everything. We're gonna if we're gonna let Kellen fly. It, 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 in my wildest imagination, I did not see Mike McCarthy giving up play calling. I did not see that happening at all. Um, he did it once in Green Bay reluctantly and ended up taking it back as he should have. Um, but like I, I did not see him letting Kellen call plays. And if they're gonna let Kellen fly, which I've been begging for, then let's go. I'm back in. So everyone is mad at me, I'm back in. I'm I'm happy. This is a playoff team next year, right? Whoever would feel good about that? They're a playoff team next year. I mean
2: that's the expectation. I mean that's why you're. Be. It, it, that's here's the thing, like that's why you're bringing in Mike McCarthy is because and and you know Stephen Jones talked about that a little bit and that's basically because they wanted somebody that was established and that they didn't. There's risk and there's more risk and there's risk involved with all coaches, but there's more risk going the Rule Joe Brady route when you're trying to win immediately. Like I do think I agree to. I think Matt Matt Rule and Joe Brady can have a decent amount of success going forward, but you look at where that Panthers roster is. You know Cam Newton. Who knows where, where the future is there? Luke Keekley's retiring. retiring. Uh, I mean, they're at they're at a they're not quite Bengals level, but they're kind of in a rebuild mode. I know that they have Christian McCaffrey. They have more pieces than the Bengals, but still, they're not anywhere near on that level of where the Cowboys are. At least where the Cowboys see themselves, and so that's why you have kind of a move like that. Um, and I didn't I didn't mean to take you down this street because I know we were trying to get into what was going <laughs> on, but it just. You talking no. about him at the beginning of the podcast and then just stuff I've been gathering from out here. It was just, I don't know, I, th- I found it kind of interesting. And then here's the other thing. He isn't out here and his staff isn't out the, out here. Um, they decided it was better that, especially for being a first-year staff and the staff isn't finalized yet, that they'd be better served being um, back home at the star and working out things there because everything that's going on here, unless you're one of the coaching staffs that's coaching one of these teams, you're not getting really that on-the-field work. Like when the I was here in 2016 when the Cowboys coaches were here, they're working right with a lot of these players, obviously that helped, you know, they ended up drafting Dak Prescott. I mean, that was a huge benefit, you know, of being around him and being around some of these other young players. And so, but when you're not one of those coaching, two coaching staffs coaching one of the teams, it's, you're just sitting in the stands and the video that you can get nowadays is pretty comparable. So um, I guess just this first year, I don't know if McCarthy will go in the future, but he's not out here for the senior bowl this week.
3: Yeah. I think uh, for a little more on that, make sure you go read John's piece. Uh, over on the Athletic, uh, the title of it will be "How Mike McCarthy and His New Staff Will Be Involved in Cowboys Draft Process." Um, that was posted today, so uh, go take a peek at that. Uh, some good reading for you. Uh, for a little more on that, let's let's go ahead and get to the Stephen Jones stuff. Um, Kent uh, got the audio for us, and thanks to John for for gathering it out there in Mobile, uh, and Kent for editing it editing it down. Uh, let's start with Stephen, just uh, talking about Mike McCarthy and uh, the way that they've kind of put the staff together.
1: Well, we're real pleased. Obviously, I'm gonna let Mike address that whenever he's ready uh, to address who and what, and, you know, what roles are gonna play. I know he got off to a little bit of a head start the other day, but uh, very pleased with what he's put together. It seems like uh, you know we've got a lot of a lot of experience, uh, you know, back there and. I think uh, overall, he's really pleased uh, with how it's all uh, come together. What's the most interesting part of that to you?
3: I think it's the part where he basically says Mike McCarthy is the one who put it all together. I mean, without saying it specifically, but that's kind of what he was getting at, right?
2: So that's the first question I asked to kind of kick everything off. And I thought what we would get is kind of a rundown of some of these assistant coaches, not everyone, maybe something about Mike Nolan, maybe something about Jim Tom Sula. some of the, you know, Joe Philbin, maybe John Fossil, some of those guys like that. And when he wouldn't even mention any of them after Mike McCarthy confirmed him to us uh, last Thursday, I just found it very interesting that it was like they're really going out of their way to not to get away from that whole stigma of we're the ones that are picking these coaches because it is hard to sit here on the outside looking in sometimes and thinking, oh, they're keeping Kellen Moore to call plays (laughs) like, hmm. okay, was that a package deal when they interviewed him? I find it hard to believe that he was just like, oh, you guys wanted me to keep Kellen. I wanted to keep Kellen. Like, I just find hard to believe that those weren't in (laughs) the discussions, especially when they when the topic turned to how do we make Dak the best possible player we can we can make him with him being the most important player on the team. Um, I'm 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 not saying that they told him, hey, you have to have Kellen Moore on this staff, or we won't give you the job. But I'm sure there were some suggestions, suggestions of along the lines of, "Hey, things were going pretty well last year. You know, I, I know that you might have guys in mind, but if you're going to keep anybody from this staff, you know, Kellen Moore would be a good one." It, it seemed like Dak really got along well with him. It seemed like they were on the same page. Seems like there's more growth that can be had here. Well, instead of us erasing everything that we've done, maybe we kind of build on that and maybe that helped maybe plant a seed or something like that. But uh, it's just very interesting because of the reputation that the Cowboys have, particularly Jerry Jones, with kind of, you know, force and assistance on his head coaches.
3: Absolutely. And and it was such an unknown of how it was all going to go down. And you almost got the vibe that it might be the other way around, given how fast McCarthy took that job and that they didn't interview many people. It, It almost kind of gave us a vibe of well, here's a guy who's taken a job, and not that there's a ton of jobs available, uh, at least, I guess, lesser than usual, it seemed like. Things kind of move fast, but – like, oh he took this job oh he's taking this job real quick and getting back in the game with the understanding that Jerry and Steven can walk o- all over him and that's actually not the case so I think that's very interesting uh, let's move yeah, on. Hey, real
2: quick well one, one other thing I wanted to mention is uh, that I've been thinking about is that I know there were some reports that came out before it wasn't a guarantee that kellen was coming back and there were some reports out that there was interest from I believe it was the University of Washington to be their offensive coordinator obviously he's from you know that part of the country um I, and it made me think what if they also told him, Hey, if you, if you stay here, we'll let you call plays as well. I wonder if that was a bargaining chip there where he was like, well, if I'm not going to call plays, I'm not just going to be offensive coordinator just to be one. Like I'll go to, I'll go back to, you know, I'll go to the university of Washington. I'll coach with the guys I know out there and I'll be able to call the plays and we'll see what happens. Maybe he may, maybe, you know, he, maybe he's the next Joe Brady, you know? And so maybe that was part of the leverage too. I don't know that to be the, the, uh, the truth. I haven't, had heard that from anybody. I was just something I was thinking about is, hey, I wonder if that played a role at all to keep him on this staff because they clearly wanted to keep him around.
3: Uh, and let's talk about the, uh, a little more with Steven Jones on the offense and the continuity with Kellen Moore.
1: Well, I think it just shows, well, it speaks to the coach Mike is. I mean, there we've got a very experienced uh, you know, offense with most of our starters back, but not all of them. And, uh, you know, they've certainly you know, know the language and uh, you know, I think it's a you know a big deal for our players to not have to start over with the language I still think we're going to get a big benefit from Mike and his offensive mind in terms of you know putting concepts to his language so uh, uh, I just uh, think it's a big deal uh, he thought it was a big deal for you know our players not to have to relearn the language and I think that's a huge plus.
3: What was your immediate thought when Mike told you last week that Kellen was calling plays and they're they're not really changing the language of the offense?
2: Exact thoughts were, wait, 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 wait. Say that one more time. Uh, you're tailing off there at the end. Wait, what did you say? Like, it was, uh, I was surprising, you know? I just, and it was such a casual setting, too. I mean, he was just sitting at, it was basically like a, kind of like a boardroom type table with all of us gathered kind of around. There was about 10 or 15 of us in there and it was kind of a a laid back type setting, you know, like recorders were on the table, but it wasn't like your, you know, I guess the walk off type thing where everyone's kind of like huddled up real close, like everybody's kind of just sitting back and he just casually mentioned that. And it was, uh, I don't know, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting. It stunned me because all I had think, all I was thinking about going up to that point was how he, I don't know exactly, I don't want to misquote him, but he basically said when he gave up play calling in Green Bay that he would never do that again. And that wasn't like that was 10 years ago or something. That was pretty recently. So, uh, I just figured, hey, if he's getting another chance to be a head coach, that at the very least, he's calling plays, you know?
3: Yeah, and I thought, well, I mean, I know I didn't think that would happen. I do agree with not changing the offense. I, I think it was... Michael Irvin and I don't always I'll be I'll be uh completely honest I don't always think uh, Michael Irvin's got the greatest football analysis of all time uh, but I do think he's a, a very good NFL uh, analyst for TV cuz he's such a character but one thing that, that he said interesting I believe it was on 1053 yes it was with was 1053 and uh, Sean and RJ he did an interview and, and he was talking about know how how the language of offenses has gotten so complicated over the years and how they they went to the Pro Bowl one year, and I guess it was Holmgren's offense. It was a West Coast offense at the Pro Bowl. And Troy would like call the play, and then Troy would tell Michael Irvin what route to run because the offense was always so easy for him in the 90s to know. Uh, split right, 363. Okay, I know what route I'm running. Like, And he's like, man, Troy, what's, what's all the verbiage of the offense got real out of hand? He goes, I don't know how players – Uh, you keep all that together and learn it. So I do think it's interesting. If you've got a lot of the same personnel, I mean, I I do think we're potentially looking at an offense that will be returning 11 starters aside from Jason Witten. So I'm going to make that 10 starters, but I'm just kind of throwing Jarwin in there because Jarwin sometimes started every once in a while and like at 12 personnel. So you're kind of returning everyone on offense. The offense was good for the most part. Kind of had some pitfalls at the end of the year, but the offense is good for the first part. I do agree with keeping the verbiage the way it is, and I agree with letting Kellen call the plays. I am so impressed that Mike has gotten out of the way and is allowing him to do this. Now, how involved will he be? I think he will be very involved.
2: It, right? Absolutely. That was one of the things where, like, Jason Garrett, you know, never had a like a call sheet in his hand. And that, whenever I think of Mike McCarthy, I think of him as Brian Broaddus will say, having that, you know, Waffle House menu in front of him type thing, where it was just, there's a <laughs> lot of stuff going on there. And, uh, and even in some of those segments, I know he did that one with Tom P- Pelissaro where, uh, he showed how he had like smiley faces next to certain plays in those sheets, because those are the ones that were like, you know, plays that Aaron liked the most and things like that. I, I just, I-, I would be surprised if he doesn't have a play sheet in his hand. Uh, and if things don't go well, there's always the possibility maybe he takes play calling over. Um, I'm glad you brought up the Michael Irvin thing, because I was listening when he said that. And I found that very interesting, too. The only thing I will say, though, on that topic is that football is very, very trickle up. And what they're doing in high school trickles into college. And what goes on in college trickles up eventually into the NFL. Not all of it, but there are definitely parts of it. And a lot of these newer offenses, they're taking stuff from the college game. And when I watch college football, I see a lot of guys... in in the gun, look into the sidelines at play cards that have, like, notorious B.I.G., SpongeBob SquarePants, and, like, Borat on it. Like, I find it hard to believe that the the verbiage and the language of these offenses is on the level that it used to be. I think that they constantly, as the game has evolved, I think they're finding ways to simplify things so that it isn't as difficult for guys to, like, go in the huddle. And just think of how much no huddle is run nowadays in all of football. Like, I just find it hard to believe that it's all these, you know, like... Red Z seven, zipper four, six, you know, like there's plays that are like that. Don't get me wrong, but I I don't think that it's, it's nearly to the level that Michael was dealing with when he was playing. I could be wrong. I'm not in the huddle, but I just see that college game where it's just more and more like that. Even in the national title game, there was so much of that just getting in the gun. There's still like 15 seconds on the play clock, motioning some guys to see what the defense is doing. And then playing off of that and then going with, hey, if they're doing this, then you do that. And I just find it hard to believe that it's just the same way of, hey, you know, Troy went in the huddle and he told he told us we were doing this. And this is the play we were running. Like, I just feel like there's been some evolution. And it it starts, obviously, with the high school and then going up to the college game.
3: I I agree 100 percent, man. I I think
0: you're absolutely right. Um, I think it has a little bit more to do with the Cowboys not wanting to lose Kellen Moore than it does Mike McCarthy wanting Kellen Moore to run this offense. Does that make sense? Like maybe that was a, maybe that was an agreement when they hired McCarthy. Like, we want to keep this guy around. This is a young mind that, you know, has obviously gelled with our offense. And, you know, Jerry said it with Jason. He didn't, he didn't want Jason to go take that Baltimore job when he was offensive coordinator or whatever, because he thought uh, the best is yet to come. So I really feel like they have something special with, with Kellen Moore. And maybe that was the one, piece of continuity that McCarthy had to kind of agree to. Now, whether it stays like that long-term, who knows? But I, I feel like they're at least going to give it a shot uh, while Kellen is still under contract.
2: Well, I also think uh, Mike, as an offensive coach, wants to evolve as well. And it mm-hmm, definitely yeah. bodes well for him to have a young mind that's an up-and-comer in this game that what Kellen Moore represents is the future of, of NFL offenses. Right. You know, So why not have that guy on board if you want to evolve as a play caller? You know, So I think that that factors in as well.
3: Uh, let's talk about Jason Garrett going to the Giants. That's kind of a fun wrinkle. Does
1: that surprise you at all? Not at all. I mean, Jason's a football guy. He's, he wants to go coach, and, you know, he's great offensive mind. Uh, you know, they got a good one uh, in Coach Garrett, in my mind. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, he's got some good tools to work with up there. Certainly, we've seen, seen him between the quarterback and the running back, and uh, you know, he got some good receivers up there, so he's got a lot. You know, looks like he's going to have a lot to work with, and we're going to get to see him twice a year. Did you think that was a possibility? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, he's from New Jersey, and I know what the organization thinks of him. Uh, he was through there as a quarterback, and, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I always wish Jason nothing but the best. He's nothing but a class act here, and I uh, know that he'll uh, certainly help the. The Giants uh, get on that road to where they want to go as well. See, the
3: thing about complimenting a guy who's gone is if you really think that much of him, wouldn't you find a way to keep him on the staff?
2: (laughs) Well, there's no way they could have kept him on the staff. They're literally Uh, like, I think their decision was super easy. Like there's decisions decision that's yeah, tough if they make the playoffs, they win a playoff game and they lose again in the divisional round. But let's say it's a little bit closer than the Rams game and it comes down to like the final drive. So did they get past the divisional round? No, but they got there and it was closer than it, and it has been. And then they're like, let's keep him around for a little bit longer. So I, I don't know. I just thought it was an easy decision for them to go the way they were. And it, and I certainly don't think you want to keep a guy around like that. like. I don't know what head coach would want to take that job. And it's like, hey, and the former head coach for the last nine and a half years will be overseeing what you're doing. Just in case you want any suggestions, like who wants to step into that environment?
3: Yeah, you know, I we look, take a look at Jason. and I, it's. Do you think he's going to play calling duties in New York? Have you heard anything on that?
2: <laughs> I haven't, but I'm super interested in that because it's not like he, I mean, he hasn't called play since uh, 2013, I believe. Because I think, yeah, 14 was when they turned him over to Linehan. I'm I'm almost positive about that. It might have even been 2013 maybe he turned him over. So, it's been a while. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'll had to go look it up. But uh, that's just stunning to me because, again, like, okay, did he probably pick some things up that, he that you know, Callum was running that he wants to use? Sure. But Jason Garrett's mindset is uh, this is what we do type guy. And that certainly seems like that's what Joe Judge is. So I don't know yeah. that they're necessarily, you know, like when you mention Matt rule and Joe Brady, I'm like, yeah, they could do some wild stuff over there. When I think of Joe judge and Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones, I'm like, Ooh, they might be trying to win these games 13 to 10.
3: Now there's a couple things that I would say here though. Now Jason, as we know, um, can well, it feels like you we kind of rub our hands together and go, All right, we get to go up against a Jason Garrett team. That feels like a good thing. I feel like I can find the things that they're gonna do and feel like I know what's coming at me, and I feel very good about taking on a Jason Garrett type team. But the thing that I think always I'm keeping in the back of my head is how good Jason was over the years at finding ways to beat the Eagles, Redskins, and Giants most of the time. Finding ways, and now not that those teams were ever really world beaters that often, but it's an interesting thing. He, as predictable as he could seem, sometimes he always found a way to beat the teams that he was playing twice a year. At least, at least get a hedge on most years. So I, I don't know. It's it's I'm I'm it's it's juicy. I'm so glad he went there. I'm glad I'm happy for him that he got a job because. I mean, I do think he's a good guy. I don't worry about any of that type of stuff. But, like, I was just kind of going, this is fun. Opening night, Cowboys-Giants, Sunday night football. We've been here a million times. Here it comes again. Jason Garrett's revenge. And he comes out with five wide receiver set, Saquon being one of those wide receivers, and they're slinging it around, and they're running a college offense. Oh, that would be amazing if Jason did all that stuff.
2: Is Jason Whitten on the
3: field? Okay. I don't know what to think about that stuff, to be honest. I don't either. Let's
0: go there right now, then. Let's get (laughs) Steven's thoughts on that.
1: Do you have any idea on Jason Witten and the future there with him? Has there been anything that you've had discussions with him? Really nothing there to comment on.
3: Oh, mysterious. Well, it's probably because there's not. I mean, have, have they even talked to Jason very often since the season ended?
2: Well, Mike McCarthy said he had a really good conversation with him. Uh, I believe it was a week and a half, two weeks ago. So, um, I don't know what the parameters were there. If, you know, on the outside of something like that, just being around the team, I would think it might be gauging his interest and in how much he wants to play. Does he want to coach? Is feeling him out? And maybe there was some stuff said there where he was like, well, I don't have any room for you on my coaching staff. And, you know, maybe – you know, if, if you want to play another year, you know, whatever. But I, I don't, I'm not guarantee you any snaps or whatever. Like we might, it won't, you know, I can't guarantee they're going to be a starter or something. And maybe Jason was like, hey, well, let me go look and see what else is out there for me. You know, I just, I find it very hard to believe that he'll play for the New York Giants. Like, could I, I see him you. joining Jason Garrett's coaching staff with the Giants? Sure. But the idea to like, you know, it'd be different if it if it was like Jason Garrett was going I'm trying to think of a good scenario here. Okay, so uh, Josh McDaniels leaves, and Jason Garrett takes over as the OC for the Patriots. They add another wide receiver. Obviously, Brady comes back, and Witten's like, hey, I'm going to make one more run at this thing. I think that they have a really good chance of winning the Super Bowl. I want to get one ring. Um, Maybe that makes – but the Giants? Like – like, I, I don't know. I just, I don't think the Giants being on the cusp of winning it. I'm not saying that they can't build to that. I mean, obviously, Saquon Barkley is a nice piece, and Daniel Jones could be a good quarterback. But I just don't see it. Jason Witten is, is living this thing season to season. I don't see how he would go there just to play 16 games for the New York Giants after playing his entire career and being kind of the modern-day Mr. Cowboy. Uh, I, I just... I don't know. That's that's a head scratcher for me. I mean, I guess anything's possible, but I, I just I can't predict that that would happen.
3: And I, I don't necessarily ever see Jason having blind loyalty to Garrett just to to go and uproot everything for one year. Right? That, that seems very odd. But it
0: sounded in Stephen's voice, the tone. It sounded a little bit like, you know, if if Witten decides to come back, they they have to let him come back you know, and, yeah. and I think Steven yeah. feels like he's, they're done with that, that they should move on, that they've got young players They could draft a tight end, whatever. But he knows that since he is Mr. Cowboy, that Jerry wants him on the field and wants him in uniform and all, and all that comes with Jason Witten being around. So I think it's, you know, Steven's probably made up his mind, but it's one of those things that he has no control over. Unfortunately.
2: Now an say, hey, say what you want about Witten though. I will, uh, if they if he doesn't come back, you know, the tight end becomes a p- pretty good position to need. I mean, I, I like Blake Jarwin, and he's and he's solid. But like, you're going to have to. I think you have to address it and add another tight end of some significance. Not just, uh, I don't know. Like, apparently the Eagles
0: are interested in moving on from Dallas Goddard. So maybe you can throw a third at the Eagles and get the guy you were pretty interested in a few drafts ago. And Dallas to yes. Dallas, maybe.
2: Is Richard Rodgers getting the, getting it done for you, KT?
3: Not really, no. Uh, It's not sexy at all. But you know what? The the longer I've gone, and I don't know if this is, it's it's way early to be talking about this stuff, probably. But I'm starting to get a little deeper in the draft class. I think the tight end class is a little deeper than maybe I thought originally. It's not like top heavy, but I think there could be like a day three tight end, maybe a fourth rounder type guy who could come in and potentially not start, but. Play a blocking tight end role and help out. I do do kind of see that.
2: I'm fine with that. I just, and I know you you never are supposed to draft for a need. And so I'm not going to give you a need position, but I'm one of these guys that I just think three of your first picks have to go on the defense. And so I just would hate for like, if I was running this thing, To be like, man, they're in there in the second round. They're like, we need a lot more help on defense. But man, I didn't think this tight end was going to be here. And then they draft the tight end in the second round. Like, I don't think it's that big of a need, especially because of what I see on defense, especially if you can't bring back Byron Jones or Robert Quinn. I mean, there's some holes there that that need to be filled and the draft's the best way to do it. So I'm not that's that's the only part where I kind of get like, I don't know how early you want to be doing this thing. But I mean, to get a Dallas Goddard type guy, you're going to have to do it probably in the first two rounds.
3: Yeah. And you wouldn't get that. You would be settling for a Schultz type in terms of role. Yeah. but I think they need that blocking tight end is what they need. The thing that Dez says he could do on Twitter. Oh, yeah. yeah, um, I saw that. I <laughs> like that type of thing. I was like, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> um, let's move on to some. Oh, oh I do want to mention this before we move on completely from the whole Garrett uh, uh, branch. Um, it is interesting to me. They still haven't filled out all those spots in New York. Scott Linehan still doesn't have a job. Uh, is that a way? I don't know if things ended poorly. Another guy who doesn't have a job is Bill Callahan, I guess, right now, too. Those are two guys that obviously ended or reportedly ended weird with Garrett and Callahan back in 2013, I think. But those are names to keep in mind with Cowboys ties. Linehan and Callahan. And I guess I would probably throw Mark Colombo in there as well. These guys who could all end up on that New York Giants coaching staff. But it does look like Joe Judge has full control of uh, hiring that staff. So, very interesting. And right now, it looks like Garrett would be the play caller for the Giants. Not that that's official, but that's what it looks like. Uh, Steven Jones, could you tell me about some goals for this new defense?
1: I mean, obviously, we've got the core of our football team that that we'll take a long, hard look at. And then, uh, you know, as we start to look at the draft and who we're going to re-sign and those type of things, then you know, it'll, it'll it'll come together. But I do think multiple, you know, being a multiple defense and, and being able to do a lot of things as we're starting to see around the league, uh, you know, can be a, a problematic for the opposing team's uh, coordinators and quarterbacks uh, when they're seeing different looks. So, uh, you know, I think to some degree, you know, we'll evolve into uh, that type of defense. So we certainly want to give the other team difficulty. Uh, and at the same time, you know, I think one of the things that we've certainly uh, got to continue to improve upon is, you know, the ball is turning the ball over. So certainly I know that's a goal uh, for this staff, for Mike and Mike, if you will. And uh, they want to uh, – certainly that's a, a big part of it for them and certainly that uh, resonated well with Jerry and myself.
3: multiples the key word there to me. We're, we're about to have a team that plays both a 4-3 and a 3-4 defense, aren't we? It seems
2: like that. And then and I think you you were the one that mentioned it on a previous podcast. It, I, the one about Jalen Smith, you know, making him more of a pass rusher in certain situations and being more multiple. That's the part of this current roster that intrigues me most because I think that's where he's best utilized is going downhill. And so he's one of the players right off the bat that I'm like that he could be interesting in that sense. Um, I don't know that I want DeMarcus, you know, dropping into coverage, you know, as a three, four outside linebacker, but he definitely can rush the passer without having to put his hand on the ground. Um, and he can drop in the coverage somewhat. Don't get me wrong, like some underneath stuff, but I, I don't want to take him too far away, uh, you know, from, from getting after the passer, I guess. I,
3: I know I talk about this team a lot just because I've, I've watched them other than the Cowboys. It's the team I watch the most. It's the, the Packers, but the way they use Zadarius Smith this year was a way that I would like to see the Cowboys implement Demarcus Lawrence. If a team was having a backup left guard, man, sometimes they would come in there and they would have Zadarius Smith standing right over the left guard ready to kill him at the snap of the football. It just changes things. And moving him around and letting him rush in different fashions, I think I think it helped. help. We've been begging for them to do something different defensively. So if they're doing some 3-4 and 4-3 looks and you can mix it up based on who your opponent is, I think you can find a way to get the the personnel. I I do think you are going to need a defensive tackle. Like, you're going to need. Obviously, you're going to need another defensive tackle. But like, if you're going to play some three four, then I do. I'm going to need something a little better than Antoine Woods right there. I don't know if that's available to you. I don't know how hard that is to get, man. Kind of thinking about the draft, and I always thought you can kind of get those big three hundred and twenty-five pound guys. You can get those guys on day three. They're not great. They're not going to be box score guys or anything like that. But they feel that role of clogging up the middle to free up things for everyone else. And they've passed on that position time after time after time over the years. So I think you're going to see. I mean, first of all, base defense is very very overrated in this league. You hardly ever ever in your base defense. Um, so not really having a. Uh, a set defense as of right now I think I'm fine with it I think you, I think they they have time in free agency and the draft to, if, if they are looking at the personnel and go man you know what, we just don't have the guns to play a lot of 3-4 then I think they can just settle in and do different versions of a 4-3 and occasionally rush th- three guys and I think that's what we're kind of looking at more than anything I think a small transition
2: that defensive tackle spot—it's—it's it's interesting because you point out the bigger guy, like the run stopper type. If they're going to be continue to play a four-three, you know, I'm looking at—they always talk about that quick twitch guy that's playing the three technique. Like, is Malik Collins coming back? Are, can, are you comfortable putting Tristan Hill there? I mean, you just drafted him in the second round, and he didn't really show any signs of being a guy that was ready to get into the starting lineup and make a difference right away. So it's like that was such a valuable spot for them. And I don't know where they go there. So it's like you talk about like the bigger bike. I mean, they can use either type of defensive tackle as far as I'm concerned. And that's why I know that. I mean, they haven't drafted defensive tackle in the first round since Russell Maryland. But I mean, this seems like a spot that if there's the right guys there, like why not take him at 17? If it if he can be like a difference making guy up the middle. They just really haven't had that at either spot. Like they've had solid guys there, but they haven't had a guy that like you would say, quote unquote, it's going to wreck a game.
3: You know, I yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, let's go to the next cut here, and it's going to be McCarthy's draft strategy. Very interested in this.
1: Well, I think Mike said it best. One of the great things there is he just wants to take you know, let's take players that can make plays, and then we'll scheme around those type of players and uh, get them the ball and on the offensive side of the ball and put uh, great players in positions to make plays on the defensive side of the ball. So we've already had some great visits between Will, Mike, myself, Jerry. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to start to obviously, uh, you know, as we move forward, we'll, uh, we'll get everybody, uh, mixing and matching and, uh, having great conversations about, uh, what we want to be as a football team.
2: I mean, if you bring Randall Cobb back, I don't know like how many other pieces you really need to add to this offense. Like, I agree. If you, if you have Randall Cobb back, and I and this is with me believing Amari Cooper isn't going anywhere, so it's like you have Cobb, Cooper, Gallup. There's still plenty of room to grow up there. They certainly didn't hit their peak, and then you still have Jarwin, and you didn't come close to using meeting the potential of Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott with that offensive line, Dak Prescott. Like, there's plenty of weapons there to win, to make a, a Super Bowl type run. It's really that's why I'm not like, you know, I think that there'll be enough there'll be enough difference in, in the play calling and things like that to be a little bit more unpredictable than they might have been in the past. And so there should be enough pieces there to mix it up as it is. That's why I kept going back to the defense, because I believe that that's the area where it's like, you need to make these upgrades in the offseason, especially if you can't bring back Byron or Quinn. Like You need to do something there, because even with Byron and Quinn, both playing pretty well this year, your defense was a significant disappointment. So it just it's hard for me to even think about the offense right now
3: and also I was looking at the draft class and I've I'm getting pretty deep into it the wide receiver class is deeper than it's ever been and it seems like we say that every year but it's like legitimately five rounds of good players I think is what you're going to get and I would love for them in the fourth or fifth round to take a guy who is not seen as one of your top three wide receivers but it's another developmental guy and hopefully maybe he's a slot guy maybe he's a get open guy maybe it's and I could throw out names to you all day if you, if you wanted to, but maybe a lot of our audience didn't want to hear that right now. Are um, you th-
2: are you mentioning like better versions of Tavon Austin, better younger versions of Tavon Austin, possibly?
3: Do you like that? How about that? that, yeah. that,
2: that is interesting to me.
3: Because <laughs> how about KJ Hill, Ohio State slot guy, um, Devin Duvernay of Texas, and he may slide up into into day two. You know, he he had a really good production last year. Um, a little, it's a little different. But James Prochet of SMU is a slot guy who has some good game-breaking speed, can separate a little bit. And you're going to have questions about how small he is and things like that. But, you know, I'm thinking of like down-the-road Randall Cobb replacement types. Because I think Gallup, I plan on being here in 2021. And I plan on Amari Cooper being here in 2021. And that other guy can come in a lot of different forms. It doesn't have to be a slot guy, but... You know, basically what I would say is what maybe they hoped Cedric Wilson would be back in the day. Could this guy come be our wide receiver four one day? That type of guy. I think you could maybe draft and try to get that guy locked in on day three. Um, Can can I get that
2: guy to return, too? Or is that asking too much? Well, don't you like Tony Pollard returning? I mean, a little bit, but I also, I don't know. Like, I want to use him a lot on offense. Like, I would rather not. I would rather, like, if I'm drafting some guy, that isn't going to have a huge, huge role right now, and will have a bigger role down the yeah. line, like you said with the Randall Cobb. I'd like him to have some return ability.
3: Well, I'm out on return guys. Th- there's not a ton of guys who uh, of these wide receivers who returned. You got to go a little higher. Jalen Rager, um, TCU, KJ Hamler, Penn State, those types of guys because those are, th- in fact, those are right now. And I haven't seen everyone yet. I still got to watch T Higgins of Clemson. I have Jalen Rager of TCU and KJ Hamler of Penn State, who are both in that five nine range as my fourth and fifth wide receivers in this draft with I you know second round grades. But again, I don't want to spend pick 51 on that position. No, no. no. I've got to fix the defense. I have to. Um, but yeah, those are all awesome talking points. We'll continue to do that as uh, you know, we move a little closer. Let's talk about Dak now. Dak contract, you knew it was gonna come up. Here's what Steven had to say when pressed on the future of Dak Prescott.
1: Well, it's already. Uh, it's been urgent for us. Uh, we want to certainly get that done. And, uh, we'll, you know, that's our number one priority uh, as we go into the off season is to get his contract, hopefully, uh, you know, find some resolution to it and get that done.
3: Okay. I get the vibe, and I could be wrong here. This is might just be what I'm feeling here. I get the vibe that they are more than comfortable playing this year on the franchise tag with Dak. I think they want to get it done, but I think it's also lip service for any him and Jerry are also going to say this over the next few months. When a deal doesn't get done, they're going to say, we just got to keep putting our head down and keep working on it. We got to keep working on it. Keep working on it. I think they're comfortable playing this on a tag because I think they would have done the deal last year if they weren't.
2: I agree with you. Um, I'm not saying that they necessarily—that's their goal—is to get him to play this next season under the tag, but at least to apply some pressure. Like, oh, we'll play. We'll put the tag on you if if this is what we have to do because we're not going to pay this. You know, we're not we're not as close as we thought we'd be at this point. Um, but it is a risky thing to do, man, because you know what's coming with Deshaun Watson and you know what's coming with Patrick Mahomes and 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 all that's going to do is just raise the market for Dak higher than what it is right now. So um, it's, it's, it's a risky way either way, but I agree with you. The way it sounds is like they're more than comfortable. I mean, Stephen was asked basically it was a Nick even asked him from Dallas cowboys.com was, was basically like, Hey, are you guys comfortable with like him, you know, having to use the, uh, the tag on a quarterback? Like, will that affect things that you do in free agency? And Steven said that it wouldn't, like it wasn't gonna have any impact on that. And I find that interesting because generally what you say is like if you get this long term deal done with Dak, you can like backload some of that deal so that you're not using as much of the cap space right now and helps you do some other things. But if he's under the tag, then that you know, that dollar amount's guaranteed, whether it be whatever, it's gonna be in the thirties, around thirty, thirty, three million. Um, that's all guaranteed to him in one year. The other thing I don't like about that is you just don't have a track record of that being a good decision. I mean, obviously you have what the, you know, the Redskins did with Kirk Cousins. And I don't think that anybody in Washington would tell you like, hey, we got exactly what we wanted out of that. Everything worked out well, you know, so uh, it's risky. But I agree with you. That does sound like what the, you know, the game they're playing.
3: Um, What are you watching out there uh, at the Senior Bowl? I mean, you got the the, uh, talking to Steven, get that done. Uh, is Jerry is the 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 plan that Jerry will go out there or do you think he'll just go back to the star and keep working on on the staff and things like that
2: I, I'm thinking he's not going to be out here just the way Steven sounded yesterday after we got done talking to him it just sounded like he wasn't going to be coming out here and I, which sucks for me because there's nothing I love more in in this job than talking to Jerry Jones about anything but it's kind of disappointing but with him not being there I mean there's players here like I mean you know when you when you were talking about uh, those defensive tackles and that, obviously, there's that kid from South Carolina out here, Kinlaw, who that's a yep. potential guy that would be there at 17. I, I know mock drafts are projecting him somewhere in that area. Dane Brugler has spoken very highly of him, so he's a player that I've been kind of watching out here. Um, but there, it isn't as much as like well, like I said when I was in here in 2016, and they had you know the fourth overall pick, and you're just you know Dak <laughs> was here and Carson Wentz was here. Jerry's out on the field talking to. Carson Wentz before practice is even over. Just It was wild. It was fun. Um, but yeah, no, this is a little bit more laid back. So, uh, you know, you get a chance to talk to agents and scouts and stuff like that. So just trying to glean some information there because we're still not clear on, the, on how, you know, because Mike McCarthy, the, the, yeah, the thing that I wrote about for, for today is basically just how Mike McCarthy is going to have a say. I mean, we've seen it. Like, the, it's not just the scouts that wanted Tristan Hill and Taco Charlton. I mean, they wouldn't have done that if it wasn't Rod Marinelli had a say in it. You know, I mean. Jason Garrett really wanted Ezekiel Elliott at four. like, they, I mean, these coaches have say in this thing more so than other, he's going to have more say here than he did in green Bay. So it's like, it's interesting. Does he want to fix that defensive backfield? I mean, it's a defensive backfield that didn't get very many turnovers for a long time. So is that like number one on his list? Like, Hey, we got to get playmakers back there. So there's a lot of interesting stuff going forward. And, and it would have been interesting if he would have been here to kind of talk about that more draft wise, but we'll get that chance going forward in the near future. Obviously, we're going to get a chance to talk to assistant coaches pretty soon. Um, but those are kind of some of the things that that I'm looking at. But it, it it's going to be it's going to be interesting because we're so set in those ways, KT. And I know you know this from scouting these players over the years, like where you are just like, eh, the guy's a good safety, but, you know, we're not they're not going to take him at, at 17. And and all oh, this guy's a good defense tackle. They're not going to take that guy at 17. But now you have this new coaching staff. Maybe those guys are in play now.
3: Yeah, no, it it changes the possibilities of all these positions, including the ones that we've been ignoring. Uh, maybe now a guy who might be like, oh, well, he's too weak to play defensive end, but man, he would make a three, four outside guy, and he could maybe drop into coverage. Like, there's a kid in uh, from Wisconsin named Zach Bond, and I know when you think of like a uh, white three, four Wisconsin outside linebackers, you immediately think of T.J. Watt. I mean, this bond is about two inches shorter than T.J. Watt and about 30 pounds lighter than T.J. Watt, but he did have like 12 and a half sacks last year. Uh, And he's at the Senior Bowl. And I thought the Cowboys did take a pretty good hit with a lot of names who might be in that 17 range or the 51 range where the Cowboys pick in the second round. Um, Like Ashton Davis, the safety from California, when he was out with an injury, um, some of the corners, Christian Fulton of LSU, uh, Jeff Gladney of TCU. I've got Gladney as my second corner back in the draft. When those guys pulled out, I was like, man, that sucks. Um, uh, but there's some guys that are interesting. I think, uh, a guy I want you to track, John, uh, is Kyle Duggar, small school safety. He went to Lenore Rhyme and, uh, Lenore Rhine, sorry, with an N. Um, he's interesting and it's very hard to like find, we're looking for a safety here, right? I think we are at least, you know, uh, where do you, if you don't want to take Delpit from LSU or Xavier McKinney from Alabama at 17, Duggar might be a guy who you could get in round two or round three. The problem is he did play in division two, but the thing I look for most of these division two guys is, can you look like you're an adult playing against eight year olds? And he absolutely did. Like he was the football equivalent of just blocking the shot, like Stuart Scott did in that old ESPN commercial years ago, like blocking the shot of the eight-year-old. So like when a when a small school guy actually looks like a legit grown man compared to kids, I always like that. He like he looks like Andy Reid in the punt pass and kick challenge. So Kyle Duggar's a guy I want you to track, and maybe that's a Cowboys target uh, somewhere in this draft. So. Um, but is there anything else we need to get to, guys? Or have we covered everything? I'm kind of kind of looking at my watch well, here. We've uh, been. A- well, have John keep an eye out on Jerry, and if Jerry decides to show up and talk, we'll jump back on the air and talk about it. There you I go. I like that. Yeah, you know what? I'll see if I can get a flight track number on the Jerry copter, and then uh, see if we can do that. I've got a little spare time. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe Jerry's gonna hunt
0: some hogs on the way out there. You know, just some flyby <laughs> hog hunting. He likes to do yeah. that.
3: The most Jerry
0: Jones Can you imagine thing Jerry happened? with like a machine gun come out of his Airbus just, just gunning down hogs? We need video of that. It's
3: so Arkansas, man.
0: <laughs> it's so Arkansas. He said that that was half the reason he went with Airbus because he's like, I need someone that can fly me close to the ground to take out them hogs. I mean,
3: hey, whatever gets Legend. your blood flowing at that age, you know, right? I yeah. mean, what's Jerry, 77? 78? I believe it's 78. 78. We also know that the yacht
0: is currently out on uh, on patrol. So maybe Jerry just goes straight to the yacht from Houston. Doesn't even, doesn't even do business. Goes back on vacation, maybe.
3: Yeah. Run it right up the Gulf of Mexico. Yep.
2: Yeah, it's like 40 here. That sounds like a better idea.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, man. All right. Well, um, I guess that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We may have another episode this week, though, if Jerry shows up. So we'll be tracking that uh, and keeping an eye on that. Thank you to Kent Garrison um can't also do you have a a prediction for the oscars do who's gonna win the movie do you have like a a vibe yeah i'm i'm thinking 1917
0: is gonna win best picture but uh i'm I'm voting for parasite i think parasite's my favorite and uh i hope parasite wins all the awards that it's nominated for if you haven't seen that one get out and see it go rent it on demand whatever you need to do
2: great movie parasite
3: all right, and for John Machota, John, do you have a prediction on who's going to win Best New Artist at the Grammys this Sunday night?
2: If you can run down the names, I would
3: lo- I would gladly tell you. I'm going to go with Black okay. Pumas, KT. Black Pumas is who I'm pulling for. Uh, I'm pulling Black for. Black Pumas, Lizzo, uh, Billy Eilish, Lil Nas X, Lil Nas X. I can't remember
2: the other. If that's, I mean, you haven't named anybody there that I think will be. I think Lizzo will probably Eilish. win, but no, I um, think
3: Billy Eilish will win. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be Billy, too. I don't know, though. Lil Nas X, Well, he, he just didn't have a full album is the whole problem. He only had an EP. Yeah, of I, seven feel, songs. I feel uh, that Billy Eilish is more the trend, It'll,
0: and I think Lizzo is more the raw talent that, that might be around longer,
3: but who knows? Maybe they try to go emo on us, though, and pick the Black Pumas. That, because was that incredible.
0: would be the thing. They're, they that probably was- deserve it more than more than uh said other artists uh considering they're an actual band but uh yeah incredible check out black pumas if you haven't checked them out by the way listener
3: the grammys took a lot of flack i'm sorry i know you gotta go john no uh, you're fine <laughs> uh, the, the grammys took a lot of flack one year and they kind of overcorrected. the year that they let arcade fire win i think arcade fire won best new artist i believe they, they won the yeah, they they best album. They won the best album, yeah. And they took a lot of flack for that because they're, everyone's kind of like, well, what's this? Because a lot of people you know, just weren't aware nationally of the Arcade Fire. And then uh, you kind of see it overcorrected. You've seen a lot of mainstream victories. So I do think it will be in the Billy, uh, Billie Eilish, Lizzo, you know, Lil Nas X realm. But, uh, you know, Pull for the Black Pumas. The, uh, Austin yeah, you've heard about the best new artist, curse though, right?
0: kt like most artists that win that award end up f- having no career after that essentially Oh for the most part so hopefully maybe yeah. black pumas don't win so
3: they have an actual I, career he's a, a charismatic guy and i really i really truly did like his seven song ep but if anyone was gonna get the best new artist curse i do think lil Nas x is the guy who's gonna run out of content <laughs> faster than anyone else here's
0: the uh previous winners
3: we have a uh, Macklemore and
0: Ryan Lewis. Okay. Um,
3: kind Neg- of gone Megan that,
0: Chance and the Rapper. Raj. He's still oh, relevant. Alyssa Cara and Dua Lipa were the most recent winners. And before that, I guess you got to go back to 2008 with Adele or maybe Boni Vare in 2011 for mm-hmm. uh, relevant artists that have won Dua- the award. So. Dua Lipa still putting out hits. I don't, I don't, I'd never heard any of the
3: music, so You know, I couldn't tell you.
0: <laughs> My new thing, is not I, really
3: a thing anymore, so. I'm yeah. also probably not the most qualified guy to talk about all this stuff. Like, I love music and follow music, and I know, I know, Kent, you for sure do as well. I'm not sure on how much you follow music, John, but, like, I, I do follow, but you start, a lot of this, like, I remember last year, there's so many, like, it's like I discovered Camila Cabello on the Grammys. Like I didn't know I do a leap of the same thing. Like I don't know who these people are. So pop music, I, I do a, a really bad job at follow, keeping up with that. I'm trying to do better. You're saying Evanescence didn't deserve best new Artist in 2003 because I still
0: follow them pretty closely. Uh, no, my, I think totally my Evanescence did. back piece would disagree with the, with that curse. <laughs> did Eminem ever win it? Oh, wow. Eminem. No, it was Lauren Hill in 98. Okay. And followed by that, it was Christina Aguilera, uh, Alicia Keys, Nora Jones, then Evanescence, Maroon Five, John Legend, Carrie Underwood, Amy Winehouse, and Adele. And That's pretty good lineup on, right it's there. A pretty good, pretty good streak there. And then from then on, it's Esperanza Spalding, who's very good, but not necessarily a pop act or anything like that. Sam Smith in 2014. Remember him? Yeah, remember i do. Not too much fun. Remember them in 2012? <laughs> they
3: broke up immediately. Um, that was fun. Kill yeah. me. Oh, I see what you did there, John. All right, yeah, let's wrap this, KT. 2019 best record was this is oh, this is not a Grammys podcast. Okay, Um, (laughs) all right, dang. Um, (laughs) Okay, that's it for Kent Garrison for Father John Machota. Follow them on Twitter at Kent Garrison at John Machota J O N M A C H O T A. I am at KT Fun Tweets, and we will talk to you next time on another edition of a Grammy review of About Them Cowboys. (laughs)